3: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Noel is on an adventure,
1: but we'll be returning soon. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul, mission control deck, most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this Stuff They Don't Want You To Know. Before we dive into today's show, which is, which is pretty interesting actually one of those mysteries that we do have an answer for, uh, we want to give you a quick update on some stuff we learned about COVID-19, the novel coronavirus, which is currently uh, sweeping the globe at a pace uh, comparable to K-pop, uh, yeah. but much more deadly
3: yeah that's right, and many of you know we are in Atlanta, Georgia, where we record this, and this is one of the places, specifically Fulton County, one of the major counties within the greater metropolitan area here in Atlanta um It is experiencing a bit of an outbreak, including within the public school system,
1: right, as we were walking in to record today just this just this afternoon. Uh, I had learned that uh, Fulton County school systems are closing for now just to sanitize the area. That's, that's the official line. No one knows how long they'll be closed for, uh, but they're doing so because a, an employee was recently confirmed to have coronavirus. At this point, uh, the U.S. still lags behind other countries in terms of testing. Uh, and, you know, many people, including a uh, vice reporter uh, and myself, have been surprised going back through U.S. Customs to find that they just let you in. Other countries, by the way, are having much more extensive testing. Some countries have mandatory 14-day quarantines, which probably still isn't long enough. Uh, so we want to hear from you what what's happening COVID-wise in your neck
3: of the woods. And I, I don't want to, you know— tell anyone's business here but mission control weren't you about to head over to italy are you still going okay no he is not mm. uh, okay that makes me feel a little safer
1: yeah well italy is actually there uh, they're also their death tolls uh their death toll increased by 133 people today yes. it's march 9th as we record this uh and around the world we're seeing countries take different uh different approaches And many countries are getting in front of it. They're sacrificing, you know, uh, bad press or they're taking the hit with bad press to look overly uh, prepared or pessimistic or pragmatic. Uh, I I would – let's go that route every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Matt, I'm not going to name names, but there were a couple of people who yet again implied that I was was being paranoid – or overthinking it to uh, to get a you know to revamp my bug out bag, but that's just what I do when I get a new vehicle. Dude,
3: if anyone throws shade at your bug bug out bag, no matter who you are out there or within this room, that person's not your real
1: friend. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm not. You know what though? I'm like very. Uh, I'm very Boy Scout about it. Yeah, my my bug out bag doesn't have. One, anything illegal in it, uh, and and two, I'm still on the fence about this, but it doesn't have a lot of the heavy stuff that other people – My mine is like you're stranded in the middle of nowhere, your car breaks down or something, and you need to be alive for 72 hours. I don't think that's crazy. That's okay. not
3: crazy at all. That's Thank my you, entire man. trunk space in my vehicle <laughs> yeah. right now is, did something go wrong? Open the trunk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact um, – I was talking with uh, a friend of mine who remained nameless uh, this weekend, and uh, when I just got back, and uh, he was he he was telling me about a kit he has uh, for gunshot wounds to stitch himself up, and I thought, you know, really, Corey? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> that's funny. No, no, no. But um, you know, we'd like to also hear uh, what. What you are doing uh, in reaction to this in your neck of the global woods, do you feel like this is alarmism? Do you feel like people are not making a big enough deal? Uh, did you already have a bug-out bag? I hope you already – we hope you already washed your hands normally. Yeah. That's one of the weird things. You know, I did not apply antibacterial
3: before coming into this room though.
1: I did, yeah. You
3: did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, boy, I
1: didn't. I went home. I, I didn't a shower. I just – covered myself in hand sanitizer like Danny DeVito's character and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. <And it> just <laughs> s- slopped it on. The maintenance people came over and, you know, it would have been weird a few weeks ago, but now they were like, we get it. Yeah, as long as you didn't
3: climb into a leather couch, you know what I mean? It'd no, not okay. yet. Uh, yeah, yeah, not yet. Not, not quarantine yet. I swear this is the last thing. Yeah. We, we were having this internal discussion here Uh, Just about these microphone covers that Ben and I are talking into right now. There are these removable uh, just black mesh microphone covers. And so many people use these studios now throughout the day and just talk right here in close proximity to these things. Um, If any of us get sick, it will be the on-air talent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: uh, so, uh, I will note, Matt, since since uh, our fellow listeners can't see the studio right now, unless you yeah. take more pictures of it or something, uh, you and I, and Mission Control as well, we keep our mouths relatively far away from the mic in comparison to some other people. Yeah. And I just keep getting further and further away <laughs> right
3: Are you guys okay with me sounding like this the whole episode?
1: Yeah. <laughs> What do you think?
3: Is that bad for? <laughs> is that bad for business, Paul? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Uh,
1: so, before the world burns down, and while while we're waiting for your questions, you're probably saying, "Okay, I want to tell you about my bug out bag," or "I want to tell you why uh, Ben you're being crazy," or "I want to tell you." Um I want to know more about what's in your trunk, Matt. Whatever you <laughs> say, you're probably thinking, how do I how do I communicate with you guys directly? Well, you can find us in a number of places. Uh we're we're just the internet is riddled with us. One thing that we we've started to do is to give some Twitter shout-outs because Twitter is, you know, uh at its worst it is a cesspool of misinformation and at its best it can help you get around things like state censorship or mainstream media censorship. It's an invaluable – it's like fire. It's an invaluable tool for the villains and the heroes. That's you know, right. Throughout mythology, which will come into play later. That's so, right. So uh, I don't know, Matt. You got a, you got a Twitter uh, shout-out you want to kick off?
3: I do. I want to give a big shout-out to Jeff who made a video message and sent it to us. Uh, and he is only wearing a hoodie because he's he's at a swim function and it's cold. But uh, but yeah, he's he sent us a message about a company that he wants us to look into, mm-hmm. and we've already done some initial searching around about it. So thanks for sending
1: that to us, Jeff. No spoilers, huh? No spoilers. Or you can see what Jeff's talking about on Twitter, right? Yes, you can. If you follow us at Conspiracy Stuff, spelled like it sounds, on Twitter. I also want to give a shout out to Sarah, at Sarah Allen, who said, I love that you all covered the Jeff Davis 8 on your last episode, one point of contention, Frankie Richard's name is pronounced Richard, not Richard. It's Whoops. Pro- Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and that's we, – we appreciate that correction. You know, proper nouns can always be a little bit tricky. Uh, we also appreciate everybody who wrote in uh, regarding the Jennings 8 podcast. We think it's an important story and it is a mystery that is yet to be solved. So, without further ado – on to today's episode. Uh, this is this is a weird one. It's one we heard about uh, a while back, but still pretty recently uh, when you look at the span of time as a whole. But I guess everything humans are pretty recent. If you look at the span of time as a whole, Earth is sort of a fad. We're the new thing. <laughs> We're the new thing. let's let's hope we stick around. Oh my God, what are we gonna do? Hey, we had a good run. Let's yeah. let's just let's look back while we can. There we go. There we go. Uh, It reminds me of an old joke in Spanish. It doesn't really translate to English, but. I'll keep that in mind. (laughs) Yeah, but keep that in mind. No, it's about like what do you do if you're hanging on a cliff and like there's a strawberry bush and it's the uh, only thing that's keeping you, but you see the roots pulling out of the cliff. Anyway, the, the punchline is when they're like, what do you do? The punchline is you eat the strawberries. That's pretty good. It's funnier in the original language. <laughs> All right. But you're right, Matt. Humanity. Let's look back while we can. The more we learn about early humanity, the stranger our collective story becomes, right? We we know still that the general pattern of human migration from the African continent throughout the rest of the world still seems correct, still seems legit. Uh, there, there are tons of things that appear to confirm this. However – Recent research has revealed there is an entire uh, mass, there's a volume of other chapters that we're missing from the broad strokes of that story. We know now that a lot of stuff, uh, a, a lot of stuff that sounded crazy or kooky back when many of us listening were were children, uh, a lot of that stuff has been proven. We know that our uh, ancestors or, you know, if you're Homo sapien, your ancestors met, mingled and may have interbred with multiple other hominids, sort of the early mixtapes of what would become humanity. Things like Neanderthals, Denisovans were a recent discovery, uh, Homo florencius, the so-called hobbits. And as a matter of fact, wait, oh, I've got to say, there was another kind of smaller early human-like species discovered in the Philippines as well. and
3: Wow, really recently. Yeah,
1: and really recently uh, there was a there, – there appears to be maybe another ghost in the genetic code. In February 12, 2020, uh, we found reports that some West Africans may have genes from an ancient – what people are calling ghost hominid. And they found this through genetic research uh, and, and they've learned what the DNA – from this as-of-yet-unidentified hominin does. Uh, It it involves tumor suppression and regulation of hormones. All to say, all to say that we are very much still in the early days of understanding exactly where we came from.
3: I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Ben, that ghost DNA...
1: Come on. We all know what that is. Oh, yeah? That's extraterrestrial. Oh, Graham Hancock? Yeah, here? dude. Come yeah. on. Chariots. I want it to be true so, so ardently, you know? Oh, yeah.
3: Well, and, and here's the other thing. Just when we're talking about this kind of stuff, if you're a subscriber to the, the theory, we, we will say it is a theory okay, of um, evolution in the way that, you know, all or most of science Believes in
1: the way like gravity is a theory. Yes. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you realize that there are a ton of experimentations and combinations that occurred through DNA, wow. where different things were produced than what we understand as the model. Let's say Homo sapien, right? Uh-huh. Uh, so many varying things must have been produced. Just that's just the way it functions and we maybe forget sometimes that just because you don't have a specific skeleton of a large group of hominins the uh you know like a denisovan or something mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't mean that there aren't jumps in between there or versions of a hominin that is a denisovan slash um whatever i'm just going to use neanderthal as an example but sure. i don't know if the timelines match i just mean just because you don't find a bunch of those Bones somewhere uh, doesn't mean they didn't exist. Oh, yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. It's a big stew. A gumbo, Uh, if you will. It's a gumbo of uh, humanoid DNA, of of hominid DNA. Um, And that's, you
1: know, just as we just remember that as we continue throughout today's episode. Genetic gumbo. I love it. Uh, Yeah. So that the most recent discovery, just to put that in perspective, if you're listening to this when it comes out, like last month, we found evidence of another early thing that was very much like us, such that our ancestors could interbreed with it, meaning that whatever this ghost in in the genetic machine is, it is also part of us. And some of us listening today are, in a very real sense then, part ghost until we identify it. If you have Yoruba or Mende uh, ancestry, then you have 2 to 19% of genetic material from this mysterious population.
3: Yeah, and we don't know what it is. It's a, you know, quote, missing link right now Mm. between, you
1: know, wherever that genetic population was. Right, and we're not saying it's anything crazy. We're just saying we don't know. We
3: just don't know yet.
1: Yeah, so this is where we're at. There is a fascinating argument to be made that, Matt, I know you and I have both gone back and forth over in in the years between, it's about the relationship between folklore and fact. Could all these recollections of those ancient encounters have survived somehow through probably oral storytelling right before the written word and could they have inspired those age old legends of meeting sentient not quite human creatures like things we think of as like trolls or or elves goblins dwarves and so on could could it happen Maybe? Maybe. That's the thing. It's fascinating. There's no proof of this yet, and it would be very, very difficult to prove. But still, that concept has encouraged conjecture, not just about the um, the greatest hits of supernatural sentient beings that we named right now, but other stuff. Uh, you know, things, other creatures that were thought to be sentient that have been largely relegated to the land of legend and myth, namely giants. Giants. Yep. This is what's that old uh, ominous biblical quote? There were giants in those days, you know? Oh, yeah. I was thinking more of a fee, fo, fum. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's a good one, too. Grind the bones to make our bread. Yeah. Uh, giants and cannibalism, closely related. Yeah. Throughout world folklore.
3: <laughs> hey, Ben, what do you say we take a quick break and then get to the
2: facts? Absolutely.
0: now i'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it join me monday to friday to find out what's happening why and what it all means follow the global story from the bbc wherever you listen to podcasts
4: snag a job is where america goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers
3: Terminix
1: it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today.
3: That's T E R M I N I X.com to book online today.
1: Here are the facts. In several episodes, we have examined the concept of ancient giants before. So for a full dive into this, do check out those earlier episodes. Uh, you, uh, One specific one would be the uh, legend of the Siteka, Uh, which is a Native American legend. No spoilers, but it's worth your time.
3: Oh, it definitely is. And also, just to set this up front as well, you may have at some point on a social media channel found images of giant skeletal remains. Mm -hmm. Um, Just in our researching for the C.T.K. episode and a couple other past episodes, many of those, if not all of them, are Photoshopped and are bogus. Mm-hmm. Just putting that out there. There are, however, reports coming out that we're going to talk about today of real, real discoveries mm-hmm. that are out of the ordinary. When you're talking about the size of a skeleton,
1: so yes, yes. So let's let's also point out that not all of those photos are necessarily modern hoaxes, right? Absolutely, like it's gone Shroud shrouded Turin style.
3: Well, yeah, hundreds of years. This kind of thing has been uh touted by i don't want to use the word charlatans hmm. by people who are just trying to bilk you for some
1: money right yeah, and let's okay, so we'll get this out of the way this is this is the factual part of the show, yeah, right, so this is where we we have to be uh the the paleontological party poopers <laughs> just for a bit, long story short in most of the episodes we've done. Regarding what we would call giants, uh, we found that the concept of giants are the stories of the legends. the allegations can be attributed to some some pretty mundane causes. And we wanted to dive into one uh, fascinating example, tantalizing, I would say, because we can't we can't quite prove it. you know no. what I mean? like you can't like you can't get a hundred percent there, but we're about ninety eight percent sure uh, that this adds up. This is a true story.
3: Well, yeah. If, if you think about stumbling across the remains of some creature that is unknown to you, that looks very different, is pretty strange. You look at those bones and you think, well, wow, that looks kind of like a leg bone or or a, mm-hmm. an arm bone, and then what is this skull? What on earth is this? And what we're going to talk about right now is an example of finding a strange skull and maybe misattributing it to being some kind of humanoid creature.
1: Right. Yeah. Yep. We've misidentified bones from other animals. And what's fascinating here is that in 2003, a geologist with the University of Crete's Natural History Museum named Charlempo's Fasulas uh, he he noted that Greece and the Aegean were once upon a time, millions and millions of years ago, home to something called Dinotherium Gigantium. The ballpark translation for this, by the way, is huge, terrible beast. Yes. So uh this thing, from what you understand now. Again, it's million, millions of years ago, eight or nine million years. It, is, it was a distant relative to the modern elephant, but it was gigantic. It was 4.6 meters tall or 15 feet tall, and it had these huge tusks. It was one of the largest mammals to ever stroll around this fine planet of ours, and ancient people in that area— Millions and millions of years later, uh, were almost certain to have encountered at some point fossils of these creatures. And since those people were very much like people of today, they did just what you're describing. Matt. they said, "Okay, let's let's get a let's wrap our heads around this. Uh, what is this thing? All right, this is a leg bone. This is huge. Whatever this thing was, this is huge." Uh, and and we're talking about Greece. We're talking about Greece. The Aegean Peninsula and all of this. Yeah, yeah. Very, very smart culture in many ways. Uh, And they try to explain it through the lenses of their current understanding. Yes, through, in this case, Greek and Roman
3: mythology. There's an author named Adrian Mayer. And she argues that both of these groups, um, Greeks and Romans, that they saw this as – possibly evidence of some of the mythological creatures that were pre-existing. And she wrote about this in her book called The First Fossil Hunters, Paleontology in Greek and Roman Times.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we, we know this was a common thing not just in Greco-Roman uh, times and not just in that part of the world, but in any part of the world. Whenever humans find stuff, we are explainers, we are classifiers, We want to be the smart ones in
3: the the room. Essentially, there's this ancient story, this myth uh, about this creature, and now we found this real
1: fossil. Well, let's let's connect those things together. Right, through the lens of our understanding because we have to realize that mythology, what we call mythology now, was a very real way of looking at the world and it explained – a lot of stuff. And plus, added benefit, a lot of mythology is inextricably intertwined with predictions of the movements of the heavens. So, this stuff seems real, right? Yeah. So, there's an archaeologist named Thomas Strasser who agrees with Adrian Mayer's writing. And he said specifically, you'll never be able to test this idea in a scientific fashion, but the ancient Greeks were farmers and they would certainly have come across fossil bones like this from this huge, terrible, terrible, huge beast. Mm -hmm. And they would try to explain them and they didn't have a concept of the theory of evolution. So it makes sense to this archaeologist that they would reconstruct them in their minds as things like giants, monsters, sphinxes, and so on, and, and Matt, I know you're dying to. For anyone who hasn't heard us telegraphing this, uh, like for minutes now, what what was the what was the money on what What did these people think the Dinotherium Gigantium was?
3: Well, if you've never seen a Dinotherium Gigantium skull, I recommend if you can search for it right now before I spoil it for you. Okay, hopefully you're not driving, or if you're in a Tesla, like, do the little vo- vocal command thing or whatever. I don't know how new cars work. Uh, a cyclops. And that might be a little bit, su- bit surprising. Wait, it, you're saying it's an elephant-like creature, right? They huge... have two eyes. Yeah, and they do have two eyes. But what they also have, if you're just looking at the bones, the skull, mm. is a giant –
1: Giant-centered nasal passage. Right, right. And these skulls clearly differ from the skulls of modern Asian or African elephants. That nasal passage is huge. Mm-hmm. And it does kind of look like the where you would put a monstrous eye, especially if you thought maybe where the actual eye holes are, are ear holes. Eye holes, eye sockets, sorry. Oh, yeah, you're right. Dude, you're right. The, the eye sockets really do look like
3: it would be where the ears
1: are because they're separate. They're they're separated sort of the way. Bird eye bird eye sockets are separated on the sides of the face. Anyhow, yeah. So the cyclops, we can't prove it a hundred percent, but we're pretty sure it was the misidentified skull of this monster elephant. And the monster elephant itself was scary enough, right? Yeah. So it's so cool. I wonder if it was as intelligent as elephants are today. You know,
3: it was at least the. Uh... The precursor, you can totally. Oh wow, it's creepy looking. It's a bruiser. Those tusks Gosh, are weird. Yeah. yeah, man, it could it could
1: wreck somebody with those tusks. So a lot of monsters in folklore, as uh, irritating as it is to say it, uh, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them were the result of misidentified fossils or things we attempted as a species to explain. Second, and going to your earlier point, Matt about uh, about Photoshop. One mundane explanation for giants in general is unethical reporting from muckraking newspapers and other media going back a long time and and also uh, going forward a long time, pretty recently. Like here in the United States, y- you know, you've probably heard tell, as we would say in Tennessee, uh, even if you're not from the U.S., you've, you've heard stories about the late 19th century and early 20th century discoveries, you know, the – 1800s discoveries where there would be a reporter with a breathless claim that somewhere out there in the desert, in in the lawless lands that were not quite states, uh, someone had found bizarre huge skeletons. uh, They're tied into the myth of the American West, right? The pre-European existence. So far, none of those claims have been proven if you're talking about like a a 20-foot – uh tall giant right yeah and and again you've probably seen those images
3: again they are they're convincing but faked and well here's the other thing we noticed when we were talking about this previously on these episodes there's there are a ton of people out there who believe the storyline that Someone, somewhere, either at the Smithsonian or the Natural History Museum or some other organization. The Vatican. I mean, just yeah. roll out the red carpet. Well, yeah. That these bones were recovered. These, these ancient remains were recovered and sent off to one of these institutions. And then that institution is then hiding it from the public.
1: Right, right. And the big question there would be motive. What, why would they do that? Even, even if it were plausible for that to happen. And it's, it's possible, I guess. Technically, it's possible. But again, then there's a big leap from possible to plausible. So why would they do it? That's, that's the piece of the puzzle that we have, to, we have to solve if we want to engage with that, that theory. Um, and what you'll hear yeah. is that it's to hide the true nature of humanity. Right, right. And this ties in a little bit with uh, some, some cryptozoologists will argue something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But not on air.
3: <laughs> huh? <laughs> what but, do you mean? <laughs> but not on air.
1: Anyhow, anyhow, so, and we'll get back to that uh, later on in today's show, just to hold it in your head, bracket. I mean, don't tattoo yourself with that, but, you know, remember it for the next few minutes. So we know with the notable exception of the Sitakha, a lot of those things turn out to be legends or hoaxes and then of course there is the third the, the third common cause that we we have found and it's a it's a personal one for a lot of people and therefore it being a personal one is something that i it's personal in a way that i don't think other people should intrude upon uh, by which I mean some accounts of giants come from ancient religious sources or text and this can lead modern adherents of these sources or text or belief systems to accept those stories because they're part of the faith system or the belief system that they have you know especially when you get to uh, people who have literal interpretations of things rather than metaphorical or figurative uh, this, this means that in order to practice their belief system, they have to believe everything that is involved, right? One example of having to accept everything, all part and parcel mm-hmm. of a belief system, would be something like the belief in jinn for, for many people uh, who consider themselves you know, uh, astute and committed followers of uh, of a uh, the belief system with jinn, like of Islam, there there are people who say, well, you have to believe in Jinn because it's in the Quran, you know. Uh it's the and by far one of the coolest uh appear in my opinion, appearances in the Quran, you know. These creatures of smokeless fire, you know Yeah dude. It's incredible. And you have a podcast you have a you've been involved with a podcast about that, right?
3: You almost set it up perfectly because it's a show all about Jinn. And I think people will be very surprised by this show. And it's not out yet, Ben, but it will be out at some point this year.
1: Ah, okay. That's one I'm one of your shows I'm personally very excited for. Me too. <laughs> uh, so, so there we have it. And additionally, when we encounter the world of faith and religion, there could be a situation in which giants – are ascribed some sort of supernatural power, uh, whether just because of their descent from a divine or otherwise supernatural being or because it's just part of the other thing that makes them not quite human, right? And if they're supernatural, then that means logically that natural rules don't apply to them. So why would you try to uh, codify these things in human terms, right? If they are agents of the infernal or agents of the divine— so there you have it. Those are three reasons. Uh, we've we've done several episodes on this. We found mm-hmm. three reasons. Misidentification, purposeful hoaxes, um, religious accounts. We didn't even
3: bring up Nephilim, but—
1: We didn't even—not yet, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and we talk about that in an earlier episode. So this may leave a lot of us and our fellow listeners going, ah, bummer. So all these giant myths are bogus? I'm turning this episode off. The big secret— the giant secret about giants is it's a giant hoax. You guys are terrible.
3: Everything is terrible. I'm going to throw my phone. I'm, I'm going to place it on the ground and just be upset about it.
1: <laughs> and wait for the COVID. Yeah. Oh, God. Don't worry. We didn't say that yet. We did not say that these are all bogus. What are we talking about? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor.
2: Twenty five dollars each.
3: Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now.
2: That's LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now.
0: I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last twenty-five years I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico now i'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it join me monday to friday to find out what's happening why and what it all means follow the global story from the bbc wherever you listen to podcasts
4: snag a job is where america goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers
3: Terminix
1: it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today.
3: That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Here's where it gets crazy. Well, guess what? We've got breaking news for you. It appears that there are ancient giants, at
1: least in China. Right? It's crazy. we say breaking news, we I mean back in uh, July of 2017. And we spent some time tracing down this story. We could verify this story. But we'll get into it. Anyway, July of 2017, not too long ago, right? Uh, the story came to us from China's Xinhua News Agency, and they reported that these archaeologists had discovered the remains of a 5,000-year-old community in eastern China. And the members of this community— We have the bones. We have the proof. It didn't disappear. The Smithsonian doesn't have it yet or whatever. These people appeared to be
3: giants.
1: Giants. They were described as giants. They were described as giants. Giants.
3: Yes. Uh, So we look to Feng Hui, who is the head of the Shandong University School of History and Culture. And – if you look through the reporting, we talk about tracing this story mm-hmm. because you will find it in like thirty different publications english uh, written publications that's pretty much the same story just kind of copied over right so we went to the we went to the primary sources yes exactly we we, we got to the original one so uh Feng Hui describes how since two thousand sixteen the group of archaeologists have been excavating the ruins of uh, 104 houses, 205 graves, and 20 sacrificial pits in this village that, Ben, I'm going to let you pronounce.
1: Butcher? I'll, I'll no, butcher it. No, come on. It. You at least kind of. I'll butcher of. it. No, no. I don't know the tones. Oh. Uh, Zhao I don't know. That Zhaogia? sounds way better than what I would say. Zhao Jia? Uh, uh, Mandarin speakers are going to punish us, and rightly so. Let us know how to pronounce it. You can find us on Twitter. And I, I would think. say Zheng Kui or Zheng... Zhong Chi? Zheng Chi. Zhongshu District. Yeah, and and that's uh, near the capital of Shandong. These relics are from something, a a Neolithic era uh, in a community called the Longshan Culture. And it's it's in the middle, kind of lower reaches of the Yellow River. And they named the culture after a nearby mountain, Mount Longshan. This area— as far as we can tell, was a cultural powerhouse. It was a center of politics, economy, and of course politics and economy uh, closely related with religions at this time. Arguably still today, closely related with Mm -hmm. religions. Uh, So – They also found ruins of ditches, clay embankments. They found tons of accoutrement and, uh, you know, status symbols, jade pottery, all the hits, all the hits. And since this was a cultural center, these people here, again described as giants, lived pretty well. They had separate bedrooms and kitchens. Uh, We know that they had a solid diet too, pretty consistently, which was super important to this story.
3: Yeah, you're eating millet— Their primary grain there, they're also eating some pork, some pigs. Some cases, there are also these giant graves Mm -hmm. where pig bones and pig teeth were found. And let's talk just quickly about the archaeologist and this job and putting together, you know, the the ideas here. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, the ruins that we found are definitely places, houses that had separate bedrooms. And we know that because of the way they were set up um that's a that to me is almost magic being able to see with a lens like understand having such a deep understanding of the history of archaeology the history of humanity to be able to look at something like that and figure that stuff out and and put together those pieces of oh there's millet in this layer of the soil mm-hmm. where all of this other stuff is preserved there's a lot of millet here and there's all these pig bones like we can kind of see what
1: these people lived like, right, right, and a, a lot of work goes into it. it's a very difficult process. Yeah. Uh, the, at the end of at the end of this episode, I am going to make a, maybe a somewhat controversial argument, maybe a thought experiment. But okay, archaeologists are working diligently around the world and around the clock, and they are discovering things and having to prove them. You know, seven ways to sundown, six ways to Sunday, whatever you want to say. So this discovery is amazing for these archaeologists. It is a motherlode. It is a watershed moment. It fills in what uh, what has been described as a cultural blank from about 4,500 to 5,000 years ago. So for about 500 years, there are these giants. At least 500 years. You know, the math gets sketchy and fuzzy the further back. Now, here is the part most of us have been waiting for the big question, the Diniotherium Gigantium in the room, if you will, just how big were these people? I mean, Matt, if we genuinely do have physical evidence of real-life giants, what exactly do we mean when we say giant? Oh, buddy, let me tell you. Are you ready for this? Uh, um, let me scoot to the edge. Yeah. see. All right.
3: Hold on. Hold on to something. Okay. Here it goes. They were between 1.8 meters and 2 meters tall.
1: So... Can you America that for me real quick?
3: Sure. Um, (laughs) Let's see. One meter is around 3 feet. Yeah? Okay. So that would be 5'9-ish? 5'11 to 6'2 maybe? Mm -hmm. 6'6 if we're reaching?
1: Six-six on the out- – yeah, on the outside, right? Yeah. Oh, man. <clears throat> well, that's a, that's a little bit of a letdown. Have we, have we taken our fellow conspiracy realists on a bit of a shaggy dog story? Well, I mean, you know, dogs are great. <laughs> yes. So The answer is yes. They found uh, – that that height is weird. We'll get to it. Taller men were found buried in larger graves, and this could be due to them having a higher status – uh, sociopolitically. it could also be due to them having access to better food. We know there was a lot of infighting. There are sacrificial pits. There are people who have clearly died by violence in such a violent way that you can tell just by looking at their bones. You don't even need the rest of the body. Someone, someone mopped them uh, in an aggressively brutal way. So this height is noteworthy at the higher end. In most parts of the world, Right? In our previous episode, we said you know the shortest average height will tend to be women in the Philippines. The tallest average height is going to tend to be males in uh, certain European – northern European countries.
3: Mm.
1: Still, for most people, if you see someone who is six feet, six inches tall, you're going to think, well, that's not- noteworthy. But that's not the tallest person I've ever heard of and it's probably not even the tallest person I've ever seen, especially if I have a television Like, just to kick the stats today, the average height of a professional basketball player in the United States is six feet, seven inches tall. Yeah. The average male is five feet, nine inches tall, which is still kind of in the lower end of where this community of giants was discovered, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm walking out at slightly above that average height, and I feel like I'm shorter than most people. So, you (laughs) know— That's just how, how it goes. But but here, the big question really is, well, what gives – is there some kind of comparison to the surrounding population or the people of the time or – I mean it's like – it's tough because it, we don't have a lot of information to go on. We're talking about filling in really a time hole here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a cultural time hole. So you don't have a ton of people to
1: – others to compare this to. Right. So how do we explain this characterization of ancient giants? Here's the thing. The people in the surrounding communities were actually shorter. So while these mysterious giants might seem kind of unremarkable today, make no mistake, they were towering over their contemporaries in adjacent communities. If you saw a bunch of these folks running at you in your village, in in your your area, you would freak out because – they were huge, and uh, you know. Hopefully, they're in a good mood.
3: Yeah, and the assumption there is, wow, well, they must be stronger than me. They at least have probably more weight on me, um, and you definitely know,
1: reach. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Boxing rules.
3: Well, yeah, but you know, with a weapon or whatever you're dealing with at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the thing: we don't have extremely great numbers on the average height of the people in the surrounding communities, but we do know the average height of Europeans. At the same time, and that is around five feet five inches or one point six seven meters. So that's a full that would be a full foot, uh, a foot a foot and an inch above if you're talking about the the six six individual there.
1: So the the people in this culture in this community were on average going to be much taller. Mm-hmm. So. We can also take the example of Confucius, perhaps one of the most famous proven factual historical figures from this region. Uh, Confucius was uh, around 551 to 479 BCE. He was described anywhere from about uh, 1.9 meters tall, which is, you know, six-ish feet tall, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, to other accounts that have (laughs) – Have him uh, nine feet and six inches tall? Yeah.
3: We we have an excerpt from a book called Confucius, His Life and Thought. And in here – we're, uh, we're just going to describe the – I'm just going to give you a quote here. And it says, according to the historical records, Confucius was nine feet, six inches tall, a height which seems to have been regarded as quite unusual. The measures, <laughs> <laughs> the measures of length of the Han Dynasty were shorter than those now in use. The height of a normal adult was about seven feet. That of a tall person, eight feet. Thus, a height of nine feet, six inches indicated something of a giant. And that certainly would – but uh, if, you know, if you
1: changed it over, I guess you'd be reducing by about two feet there. So then we have another issue with classification. We can't just accept the assumption that what we call a foot meant the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Same way we can't really accept what a giant was. So while these people would certainly have been intimidating, they were not, as far as we know, 10 feet tall in the way that we today understand feet. That's going to sound so weird out of context. We today – in the way that mm-hmm. we today understand feet. Uh, hashtag no Tarantino or whatever that – that <laughs> that, uh, that uh, creepy guy from uh, all the Nickelodeon shows. Do you know what I'm talking about? Creepy guy from all the Nickelodeon shows? There is a longstanding series of frankly troubling rumors – about a uh, a very successful showrunner for Nickelodeon named Dan Schneider. And the allegations are that he has a a weird foot thing that makes its way onto the air. I have heard about that. And these are, you know, these are child actors. Oh. And I haven't done a lot of digging into this. And he's tall? <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I haven't done digging into this. And of course, you know, there's a difference between the court of public opinion and the yeah. rumor, and then an actual court or investigation. But we'll we'll look at we'll look into it. Uh, let's get back to the way more comfortable version of feet we we're talking right here. Thank you. Yeah. So there's one other question. This one we don't have a definitive answer to. What made these people so tall? Right? Why were they literally? Head and shoulders over the adjacent communities, right? Researchers theorize that at least the men in the community grew to these comparatively uh, soaring heights because they were high-status individuals who had access to better food than most of their contemporaries. If you want to see a real-life version of this at play now while you are alive— Check out the height comparisons between people born on the Korean peninsula uh, before maybe like uh, some of the 80s babies who would have been developing during the famines of the 90s, of the 1990s. Mm -hmm. They have – because of malnutrition, this this population that's genetically homogenous has discernible, easily visible differences in average height. Wow. So maybe it was just – maybe it was the food. Uh, We know that the nature of the burials suggests that these people, these occupants, these giants were wealthy. uh, And then it also suggests that there was some grave robbery, uh, grave cases of grave robbery uh, because pottery and artifacts have been found within the tombs were uh, sometimes not even – Stolen, just deliberately broken. Someone came in and just smashed it. Mm. So there is a story there that's as of yet unwritten. Maybe it's a revolt of some kind. Yeah, yeah. Again, like the Cité Kai, you know? So this is one of the weirdest parts about this. These giants are still around. Sort of. The people living in Shandong now still consider their height to be a defining attribute of their region and their communities. And weirdly enough, this belief appears to be true. It appears to be confirmed.
3: Yeah, in 2015, the average height of men aged 18 in Shandong was 1.753 meters or around 5.8, 5.7, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with a national national average of around one point seven two meters, so again, it's like it's like there were real giants, but we just kind of explained away like any kind of supernatural reasoning behind them.
1: Right? We don't have we don't have a solid again one hundred percent proof. It's very difficult to try to guesstimate those causes five thousand years ago, but it does appear there were real. Giants it's just you know, as he said, a giant back then wasn't the same thing, like usually, and we can't speak for everyone, but usually nowadays, when we think of giants, we're like ten feet as minimum as minimum giant, yeah, but that's just
3: I think that's just our version of something that would be unbelievable for it to be naturally occurring, right? Just ten yeah. feet is so beyond. What we've observed, you just go, wow, yeah, that's definitely – something else is going on here. That's just not some kind of genetic combination that just happened to get 10 feet.
1: We should also point out, yeah, really good point, uh, that these people were healthy and normal. They did not seem to be suffering from the genetic condition uh, that affected Wadlow. They didn't suffer from gigantism. It reminds me of – so I was in the city of London a while back, you remember this, and I, I saw the Tower of London. Yeah, I felt a little nonplussed, and I had to remember. it was like, at the time, this was built. Uh, first towers were much more difficult to construct, and they they wouldn't have. They, of course, it wouldn't be as tall in comparison as say uh, the London Bridge, or as tall as you know multiple other multiple other buildings in the area now. You have to put yourself back in that mindset. So back then, a tower, it was like the the Tower of London was its huge. And I'm not denigrating it. It's a historically significant uh, building. It's just I don't know what I was expecting. You know, as a kid, all, all I heard about was there was a tower, there were ravens, there's special guards called beef eaters. And you get there and you're like, "Oh, well, okay, this isn't this is a very very old building, especially for us Yankees, and uh, you know, towers were different. So it's kind of the same thing. Giants were different in this part of the world." I totally see it. Unless. Okay, here's the thing. Unless, Matt. There really is some sort of overarching generational conspiracy to repress evidence of actual giants, in which case the discovery of these suppressed remains would be without a doubt one of the largest exposes in human history. Here's my okay, here's my all right. Okay, Matt's crossing his arms because you know you're about to get like a story, right? I'll keep it short, but here's my argument. So we know. We know that stuff disappears. I really appreciate your earlier point about how difficult it is to find things, especially organic matter. Because Earth is alive. It's hungry. Yeah. You know, like there are still – not only have we discovered in the course of this show that there are genuine lost cities and civilizations, but we, we, we also discovered that many of those things are going to be lost to history especially in – depending on the uh, environment or biome they're in, like if you, if you have a lost civilization in a jungle, man, jungles eat human things and they do it very quickly.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and all of the things that humans create. That's really what you're saying. But yeah, yeah. it's not just the human. It's the – all the stuff that they put together and they thought, oh, this is going to be
1: great and last forever. No, oh. no, no, no. So then it is – again, it is possible – That there could have been an isolated population of even larger things, sentient hominins of some sort. And maybe, again, there's a lot of ifs here. uh, And maybe, let's say they were in a very uh, aggressive biome like that. They were in a jungle or something. And then they just—the earth ate them between the time that they expired and the time— our versions uh, of people came along. It is possible.
3: (laughs) And if you don't think it's possible, talk to us, tell us why. Because we really feel like it's possible um, because of just the evidence we've seen has been just outlined there. In our research, that stuff happens. That the the hungry nature of nature, um, it is very, very true. So let us know, please. Find us, as we mentioned earlier, on Twitter. Reach out to us. We're Conspiracy Stuff. We're also Conspiracy Stuff on Facebook. You can find our Facebook group with some of the coolest human beings out there uh, on the internet. Our group is called Here's Where It Gets Crazy. You can give us suggestions. You can talk about this episode or another episode or suggest a new episode. Mm -hmm. Whatever you want to do, it is your sandbox Controlled by Facebook, ultimately, <laughs> right? But, right, but it is—it's still cool.
1: Okay, so what if what if you're off the grid? You know, and you don't want to—you don't want to mess around with Facebook. you've—you've uh, you've evolved past social media. Uh, uh, yes, but you still have a flip phone. Well, we have good
3: news. We have a phone number: one 833 T D W Y T K. Give us a call. Leave us a message. Be like this person who called us on Saturday.
4: Hey, guys. Uh, I just listened to your uh, thing on the census, and um, uh, you said something about how many people it would take uh, to count the homeless in one day. And uh, I wanted to give you just a little bit of an idea. Uh, I live in a city of about 12,000, and um, it's a tourist town. So um, we have oftentimes have a lot more people than that coming in. But uh, when we went to count the census, uh, it was all volunteers except for, like, maybe two people that were actually getting paid for it. And uh, the other – everyone else was volunteers, and there are about 40 of us for a, uh, a city of 12,000. So, yeah, you do the math. Hey, y'all take care. Thank you very much. Bye.
1: Wow, first time I didn't know how many people were volunteering. Yeah, that's quite a bit to get forty people to go out there and
3: and try and do the census. As we've discussed, it is not the safest uh, temporary position to have.
1: Yeah, no, not all the time. No, uh, thank you for thank you for uh, your putting in your civic duty. You know, yeah. uh, and thank you, additionally, to everybody who's written in uh, with conversation about the census, one thing that always—I don't know about you, Matt, but one thing that always impresses me about our fellow listeners is that we have people who uh, are—even if they disagree with each other online, they're walking through each other's perspectives. You know what I mean? And that's—that kind of—that kind of discourse is something that I I um, (laughs) I think—I think— I'm not saying we're we're great but our listeners uh, are exercising the kind of discourse that I would like to see happen in in paid media pundits you know Ooh, what I mean oh yeah for sure like maybe maybe if if a story is big if it's a big story on the news is a global event I don't know maybe push the commercial off maybe maybe spend more than six minutes on it I'm right there with you, Ben. Oh God. The next headline, old man shouts at sky, <laughs> shakes fist, curses son. Well, that's that's our show. What do you think? And if you if you have uh if you have anything on your mind and you say, okay, and I don't wanna use a phone, I don't wanna use social media, but I have something important and my fellow listeners need to know that we have good news for you. You can always find us at our good old-fashioned email. We are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com
3: Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is a production of iHeartRadio.
2: your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime.
3: Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.